Django's putting his mask on. Django, you don't have to wear a mask for these podcast recordings. I keep thinking it'd be good to tell you that for the last year and a half, but I thought it's really endearing <laughs> that you've continued to wear a mask, even for our isolated podcast recordings. I just like being ready. I love that. <laughs> Sometimes I got to jump out the house and start talking to a group of people in the living yard. <laughs> the living yard. My brain's so fucked, you guys. <laughs> 90 degrees just kills brain cells. Mm -hmm. Okay. Acceptable Podcast, episode 231. It's a podcast. It's about comic books, and it's hosted by three people who love each other. Sometimes it's some people. Sometimes it's different people. Usually, I'm here, and I'm Jeff. I'm Django. I'm Hawaiian Roman. Did you <laughs> did you say 231? I think they so. Did. That's the same. That's the Friends episode, episode 231. It was the one where Joey speaks French. The, the 231st episode. No. Yeah. I don't think so. Um, I know I'm right. There's roughly, roughly 100 episodes for five seasons of television if they're 20 episode seasons. Friends ran for 10 seasons, and I don't think it made it over the 225 episode crest. Season 10, episode 13. Is it really? Yeah. I don't lie. Why do you know anything about Friends? I'm confidently wrong often, but I'm not lying here. <laughs> Friends was 230 episodes? At least 231, baby. Wow. Masui. <laughs> this the is one where a... Roman speaks French. Okay. The, this is a crazy <laughs> fucking intro for this podcast we've already started on because like Django just dropped a friend's <laughs> knowledge bomb, which the only thing more interesting than me being wrong about that as a huge friends fan is why on earth Django knew it as a man who I can't imagine has ever even watched friends. It seems far beneath you, frankly. The truth is we've had this area code thing going. Uh-huh. 213 is Michigan. I fucking hate Michigan. So I had to come up with a different <laughs> thing to talk about. 213 is Michigan. Is that what you said? One is Michigan, baby. Dude, it's fucking 90 degrees in my house. It's been 90 13. degrees in my house all day. My brain is shot. I couldn't read comics. Like inescapable. Nowhere to go. Nothing to do. Sitting in my dark house. No electronics on. My computer is on. It's exuding like 112 degree temperatures right now. Like I can feel it. This is so hot. Why are you so hot, computer? I don't think you've ever been this way before. This and is yet, the one where Jeff can't cry because he sweat out all his tears. Could you do me a solid? Could you tell me how many episodes of Friends there were? I don't expect you to know that no. off the top of your head, but I'm just curious. How I'm many were guess, there? I'm going to guess it was 243. I, I guess that they could have been, I think I just finished watching season one and it was like 24 or 25 episodes. So I could see that they went to two. Okay. So 231, yeah. five from the end was, <clears throat> okay. You Before don't we get into this from the end? Before we get into this podcast about comic books hosted by Jeff, Django, and Roman, because they run a comic shop in Bellingham, Washington, that's, you know, installing new systems and the world is it's, <laughs> we're, it's crazy and very good. 
I, why did you do that? Why Friends? Did you know I've been watching Friends? Do you know I like Friends? Do you know it's a guilty pleasure of mine? How did that happen? Have you not been listening to the podcast Meet My Friends the Friends with Tom Sharpling? Oh, I forgot about that. I don't know if we're allowed to do. To. Can we? Can we do like cross podcast promotion? Oh yeah, pollination, pos, po, okay. cross podcast pollination. Cross, we're trying to get those comic fans to that. Pop, 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 pop. It's so hot, you guys. I'm so out of it. I'm so sorry. <laughs> the one where Jeff's brain melts out of his nose and into his whiskey. Oh man, I. Uh, I swear it's not even the whiskey yet. It will be in an hour. If this thing lasts <laughs> an hour, this is going to be a marathon session with Jeff in this podcast um we got to get through it because i'm so sweaty and we have no air conditioning i'm just sitting here with a fan on me roman also doing the same thing Jango hey Django, fans happy episode 231 from william elmer located oh. just 2200 miles from sunny modesto california beach <sighs> des moines ohio ontario in the northwest <laughs> pinky corner of the michigan mitten you'll okay, find michigan. the 231 231 fun facts this area, this area's Reed Richards killed the Illuminati during their first meeting in order to prevent them from becoming too ambitious. Oh, I love I like the it. reeds. This Reed felt he had no other choice. Will. P.S. When a comic book property is made into a movie or TV show, do you prefer to read the book or watch the adaptation first? I think that's a great question. Let's all talk about that for a second before we get into the juice of this meat fest here. Usually I'll read the read the comic before I engage in the visual media roman what about you roman's muted i'm muted sorry um i was working on that friend's question but you know i i couldn't make my siri operate in this heat so depends on what it is like game of thrones i'd rather watch the show because the books are too freaking long yeah. moby dick um moby dick i'd rather read the book first though except i saw short. i saw the movie like if I had to, <laughs> if I had to guess, Roman, I kind of pegged you as a guy that would want to read the thing before seeing it. In in general, yeah. If there's a book, I think I would prefer to read things before watching it. I think TV lately has done a really good job of making the shows different enough that that's not such a consideration. Like The Boys and Preacher, for example. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. Even Sweet Tooth, like similar beats, Walking Dead same kind of things happen but and you get the same kind of nourishment from it but you don't get you don't have to compare everything one to one we're gonna talk about books this week <laughs> i'm so hot and i know that i'm jo joking about it and everyone's like oh jeff's talking about being hot again because he's really it's really <clears throat> crippling we're gonna talk about batman reptilian then we're gonna talk about black hammer reborn number one heroes return number one that other book that the two of you have that i don't have that you read that i didn't read that is good is going to be our next one. It's number four. What is it? Is it? Uh, I don't no. remember. It's a mystery. It's a mystery book. Fantastic number... Four Life Story. It is. That's it. That Fantastic it? Four okay. Life Story Bingo. number two. Then we're going to do our little X-Men corner. We're going to talk about Sword number six and Wave X number three and probably not Wolverine. Uh, we're going to talk about Infinite Frontier number one. Django's going to hang out at the barbershop with the quartet who've been singing in tunes in four different melodic and harmonic, uh, you know, representations about the cool books he read this week. Then we're going to talk about vinyl and then we're going to top it all off talking a little bit about Marvel Voices Pride. It's Pride Month. And we haven't been talking about a ton of these anthologies because it seems like every two or three weeks they've been cranking one out. But Pride Month is uh, an awesome, huge thing, and we're excited to support it. And I guess we kind of did Dick Fight Island earlier a month, like three weeks ago. So that almost kind of felt like a Pride thing, but it didn't happen in July. We should have done that. 
Dudes, I got I got stats on that podcast again, and it's it's the only episode that just keeps getting downloaded. So people are listening to both (laughs) of you talk about dicks. We're probably at like 10 times what they listen to you talking about the fantastic fucking four. Garth Ennis and Liam Sharp, Batman Reptilian number one from Black Label, DC Comics. I loved the intro to this. Batman Reptilian started with a note from Liam Sharp. For Mm -hmm. Steve Dillon, a big brother to many of us. The script to this book was meant for him and I would rather have him here by far than be drawing it myself. I'm doing my best to make him proud, but that said, I can feel him over my shoulder, chuckling a little, saying, no, mate, you do you. Shame to waste it. What an awesome <laughs> quote to start a book. I fucking loved that. What's my yeah, favorite part of the it whole also, thing? <clears throat> it also kind of set me up to wonder what this would have looked like with Steve Dillon art, because this art, this is some of my favorite, like my favorite style of Liam Sharp art is his kind of weirdo painted sort of Kyle Hotz, uh, Simon Bisley looking um, stuff, but he kind of forgot to turn the lights on in most of this. I really dark. I couldn't. uh, Yes. Those questions originally, like my thought was like, when was this written? Right? Like, Mm -hmm. I wonder how long this has been kicking around a Garth Ennis written Batman story meant for Steve Dillon. Like he died a couple years ago now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so like when when was this written how long did it take but primarily it left me with some feelings that batman damned had which is like i like the visual aesthetic that you're doing here but it's it's almost more like a painterly um, you know, fanfare than it is a mm-hmm. sequential storytelling thing like it's like all yeah. of these pictures are cool but they're also like not really telling me anything this is really I mean, dark see uh, arkham asylum you know, that and Dave I, McKean art is, is challenging in a similar way. I totally way. agree. Yeah. And it made me think of that one as well. <clears throat> you know, it, it was cool because it's like a Batman story that's being serialized in heavy metal. Um, that's a yeah. great point. You're right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just totally removed from regular Batman. Universe. I mean, I really like the beginning where Batman just confronts this dude who's shyster lawyers got him off. He's a world champion boxer or something. His lawyers got him off some kind of violent charge and Batman just shows up like in front of the whole press release, doing being being completely unBatman like, and like gets up there and starts calling this guy out on crap, and he does it in a great way. It's very mean and, and pisses the guy off and makes him makes a fool out of him. But I was like, wow, this is Batman doesn't do this, but it's awesome. I mean, he's goading the guy into taking a swing so that Batman can make him feel bad in front of people, which is an awesome way to dish out justice for like an egotistical boxer I, th- I thought that was a really cool just like bruce wayne psychological warfare yeah yeah i <clears throat> it didn't have a ton of like the trappings of garth ennis like mm-hmm. I, I think that i read this and if somebody asked me who i thought wrote it i i probably wouldn't have had a guess at all i do think the art is gorgeous and i'm i'm ready to read it i really like that it's a black label book that is the normal dimensions of a comic book i like that yep um but yeah i, I it's very elseworldsy like it's it it felt between the darkness of it and like my having a hard time following what was going on just like mm-hmm. the images jumping around a lot um and then also feeling like the batman was a little bit unrecognizable just in terms of the way he was written as to who he is did you read it in your dark room shielded from all of the uh all the light That's a great point all the heat 
That's a great point. I actually um, turned on a flashlight and set it on my shoulder to read this at night. Wow. This one did have enough lights on while I was reading it. Um, okay. I was using my flashlight at this point, but uh, <clears throat> but that is a good distinction to make. Yeah, it was it was super muddy in in the half light of my living room. Um, yeah, I mean, I I liked it. I like that they killed some of his major baddies right out of the gate, and that distincts it. Like, yeah, it makes it distinct from different books for sure. Yeah, and it it maybe even gives you more stakes for Batman. You know, like, what if this is a uh, black label book that Batman doesn't survive? I would be super into that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm curious if we're going to get some of Liam Sharp's pencil work at some point. Such an artistic I like shift. I, I, I really prefer his pencil stuff. I like this, like the first half of that Green Lantern run he did with Morrison to the yeah. sort of second half. I think I like this. Yeah. I mean, I like them both a lot, but I, well, I, this think, is... I think this edges it out for me it's so good at being what it is and it's so different than that other thing, which is also mm -hmm. very good at being what it is, which is kind of the, the interesting thing. I got a score. You got a score. I do have a What's score. Going? I'm going to go 7.5. I'm going to go eight. I'm going to go nine. Nice. And nine is in the number and not the German. Um, no, nine. <laughs> uh, no, the number, the number. I'm, yeah, I'm... I think you mean nine, the number. Yeah, I'm looking for number nine. Number nine. Oh, fucking A. <laughs> My life. Wow. On the, on the topic of really exciting art changes in style and things, a difference in art. Changes, as we always say here on the Papcast. Yeah. We like to throw a certain ode to David Bowie. I've got Minchies waiting for me in the freezer when I finish this. I've got to put some ice on my brow and eat that Minchies. But um, it's the one sponsored by Minchies. This is the one sponsored by Menchie's. Like last episode, I made the joke about Clut and I doing an episode by episode rewatch of Friends, which is why I'm so. This whole Friends bit that you're doing is like kind of blowing my mind right now. It's, just in, the, it's in the zeitgeist, man. Is it? It's, oh, it's I guess one, the reunion. It's the one that's in the zeitgeist. It's the one that had the reunion <clears throat> that has therefore thrust itself into the core of the zeitgeist. <laughs> yeah. Um, the television show that did all of that. <laughs> Black Hammer Reborn, number one. We had Black Hammer, we had Black Hammer Age of Doom, and now we have Black Hammer Reborn. And amongst all of that, a slew, a, a, rel a veritable popcorn bucket of Black Hammer books written by Jeff Lemire. And, but this is the third main series book, as I understand it, but also the first main series book to not have Dean Ormston on art. And this has Caitlin mm -hmm. Yarsky instead, Dark Horse. Black Hammer number one, Roman and Django. As far as I know, you guys read every Black Hammer book, and I really just read the main one. One hundred percent current with Black Hammer. Yeah, yeah, I, I think I am too. And this this one follows Black Hammer's daughter, um, as like after after the events of uh, the the Black Hammer Age of Doom, she went back to Spiral City and apparently became the new Black Hammer. Right. Yeah she wasn't before she went there and she had a bunch of adventures and then this is 20 years later so she's just like a mom with kids who are late for school and kind of a derpy husband um like a super derpy husband yeah yeah um who's got stuff going on like kind of spoilery surprises surprising things at the end of it with him mm -hmm. um and she's trying not to get back in the game like she's there's there's uh 
some sort of event happening downtown and she's she's in the area but she's trying not to uh not to engage with these earth earth altering life shattering events that are happening can we, can we spoil it can we just spoil we don't have to do some of the other stuff yeah. but the the final page reveal like jane was just saying she's trying not to get into the game and the final page reveal is her like she's avoiding going to fight this baddie and even the husband is like i think that you it's your responsible like you should go do this you have a responsibility to go help save these people and she's like no the task force i'm sure it was in a mini series is is saving us um <laughs> and she goes out to the barn and she opens up the cellar everyone saw the gideon falls shout out to and they were early on in the issue mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. movie theater that was now showing gideon falls um <clears throat> But she goes to the farm barn, the farm barn, where all good <laughs> stories are held and opens up the farm barn cellar. And there's her hammer covered in blood. But her final page is I'm never, never, never. I will never become Black Hammer again. And there's a dead body in a science room. And she clearly has like hammered their chest in. Do you guys know who that is? Having read all the side stories? I think so. It looks to me like Dr. Andromeda. Which I mentioned earlier in the issue. That's who I thought it was. He looks younger than he was in in it by the end of the other series, but I think that's who it is. But it also shows him in here. James Robinson. Right. It shows him earlier and he's like on a television screen talking. Yeah, it does. Yeah. I I don't know. If it's not him, then I don't know who it is. Yeah, that's who I thought it was. And and just for readers haven't been caught up with this, Dr. Andromeda is originally named Dr. Star, but for legal reasons, I think, or something, they changed his name. Yeah. Um, but he was their, what was he, kind of like their Reed Richards? Yeah, or their Starman. Starman, yeah. Starman yeah. Reed Richards kind of character, really smart scientist who, I think he kind of uh, created the Parazone or was was one of the first people to muck around in it. Mm, yeah, that's right. And yeah, that's why they had to change the name because it was probably DC. It was like, this is too similar to Starman yeah yeah you even named him after the writer of starman <laughs> yeah if and almost i feel like i'm saying something Django has said about different things at this time but if if that's a character that everybody else understands because they've read the side stories and people who are just reading the main story don't get that i'm not a fan of that yeah if she killed somebody who we know or who matters to us that's an even better cliffhanger mm-hmm. but then if they don't really explain why they matter that that would be pretty irritating um especially like especially for you but also for me who has read them all and remember them none <laughs> <laughs> well i i remember them a small amount because you've given me pretty good summaries on most of them yeah um yeah. but i love the art in this i thought I that the lo- acting is amazing it. i dude i could not agree with you more absolutely the kids look like kids uh, yeah yeah and the facial expressions i mean it's deceptive deceptively simple art Mm-hmm. But yeah, the body language and, and the facial expressions really, really caught my attention. That's exactly it. Like I was reading it with Ashton and I said like, this looks kind of basic at first, but then if you look at the faces, there's like a Fiona Staples thing almost going on, like a uh, flat, but like layered colors, the facial expressions. When she goes to the bar and talks to the woman that is like the private investigator, mm-hmm. every facial expression that private investigator has is like, really detailed and emotive it's yeah if i had to guess i think dean ormson's health has been the reason that he can't do this now and i'm just glad that they found an artist who like ormston was so good at holistically just good at comic book art and then also had a really yeah. unique style 
Yeah. And this artist seems to have both of those to me. And I, I was kind of nervous about that going in and I felt better very early on. And she's really good at melting distorted bodies and buildings and like everything that needs to be distorted while they fight the black hole guy and whatever weirdness is happening with the parazone or, or whatever it is it nine nine easy nine for me i'm gonna go nine as well i think it i think it's if not my favorite book of the week tied for my favorite book of the week i thought it was so good black hammer is always so good mm -hmm. and i bet all of the tie-ins are so good as well like i i just Pretty think much 8.5 8.5 i like that I like guys it's that. hot in here so damn hot so damn hot i'm sorry i'm sorry everyone i'm sorry i'm sorry i sound like a mess did you order this heat no did you the order with this the heat? heat wave it's the one with the heat wave i just watched the one where their heat was broken and they had to have mm. a party and everyone was there it was too hot yeah, yeah. joey fixed the heat classic joey he's a good boy he is did he curse in french while he was doing it no that wasn't until episode 231 Mad, man like we, we ah, 231 episodes into this podcast they could have all been references to some, like friends episode titles <laughs> <laughs> and then we could have outlasted friends you know what at friends at this point in friends they were all getting paid a million dollars an episode we're each of them were getting up. paid we're doing this for free still <laughs> we, don't, we don't even have tom Selleck on no man that guy's mustache is good hey <laughs> Heroes Return number one came out by Jason Aaron, Ed McGinnick, Mark Malman. And, <laughs> and we finally know what the length of this whole series is. And it's this many. It's this many. It's a this many. It's Hero, a Heroes Return and Heroes End. Heroes Return. Heroes Reborn Return and End. Listen, you like you like punch em ups? Because this is a punch em up. This is a punch em up for sure. Roman. What did you think about this? As the huge Avengers fan, you've been reading all the Aaron Avengers stuff. I also bet you have a fondness for Ed McGuinness or a willingness to be fond with Ed McGuinness. Willingness, <laughs> yeah. But you know, it's funny. Just looking at this cover, I just noticed, I think, a cardinal, a cardinal mistake with Captain America. He's on the cover. He's, he's holding his shield up, but you only see the backside of his shield with the straps. Yeah. Why would you make that choice artistically? You yeah. want to see the Star Spangled Shield. <laughs> there's Dude, this one why point... would you face the characters to the left also? There's well, one point... because it goes with the cover of, I think, yeah. the first issue of Heroes Reborn, where the squadron is, it's one of those face each other covers. There's one point in this issue where they're all the heroes have returned, as you would guess, and they're fighting the Squadron Supreme <laughs> in the other world. And somebody's like, Captain America's here. And they're like, uh, you got to be mistaken. They're like, no, I'm not mistaken. You know, big guy dressed in the flag. And I was like, man, yeah. I forget even that Captain America is dressed in the American flag. Mm -hmm. Like, no wonder a lot of people don't really want to give him the benefit of the doubt as a superhero to get into. I get that. But it reminded me of like Chris Clow. Shout out Chris Clow. You know, kind of selling me on Captain America when I was a 20-year-old. Like, why he's cool and not just a patriotic symbol. And now I can even be kind of blind to that. But yeah, like, this wrapped it all up. Roman, was it satisfactory to you? You know, Scott and Supreme, you know, the Avengers? You know, I... I was I was kind of disappointed. I mean, I guess you could have guessed it would be a, just a big punch em up issue, but you know, it's just a bunch of pages. Every every page or two is like, oh, Thor and Hyperion face off, boom, boom, boom. And I was just expect, especially after 
the great issues leading up to this each one with a fantastic artist mm-hmm. this was also let down for me artistically because i was like yeah mcginnis is fine but after james stokoe and i aaron forget the cooter. other name aaron cooter and stuff this mm-hmm. one i was like yeah okay they fought in one issue all of a sudden it's all over back to normal except mephisto's up to something and the squadron of reds yeah and the squadron supreme is uh in regular Marvel Earth again, but they were before, so I'm not really sure. Right. And this was this was just a big, huge thing in order to like introduce the next subplot of Mephisto in Avengers. Love that reveal at the end of the Council of Reds. This idea of like again, it, it's funny we have two books referencing the Council of Reeds this week, but <clears throat> that idea of you know the infinite number of characters in the infinite place the multiverse exists bam um all of the mephistos from 616 universe is gathered together there i love that yeah and and i like i like there's even a like spider ham pig version yeah, I saw the that classic one. mephisto so yeah that's cool i'm just surprised that we had a whole what six seven issue miniseries and spinoffs to just to get to this point of this new mephisto thing right yeah, I I don't know. I read this. I finished this right after I finished Infinite Frontier and a lot of multiverse shit. Yeah. A yeah. Lot. Um Ed McGinnis is a, okay, so as this as a whole Heroes Reborn with this this is a part of. I think it was a pretty cool thing. It basically mm-hmm. was just like we're going to do six or seven issues exploring an alt world and then we're going to use one issue to wrap it all up. And I, I think that like on the surface with great artists involved. That's a pretty cool thing to do. Cause it was like an artistic feast, especially for people like us, like Stoko. We love Stoko. We love yeah. Cooter. Um, mm-hmm. We love the dude who did the Batman one. I forget who it is right now. So like really cool artistic tour de force really. And then this final issue was like McGinnis who is not a bad artist by any means. It's just like all of his pages are like, man, if I, was like no shade at the fantastic fan fantastic fast and furious movies but like this was like kind of like that like i love fast and furious movies for weird numbers of reasons but they're also like this is like the action movie equivalent of that it's like there is just like 10 full page art spreads of like one muscular dude punching the shit out of another muscular dude and that is really cool to some people that's the epitome of superhero comics to some people so you know, I, I guess the fact that we got Stoko and Cooter and stuff means that, like, you know, we should also have a whole on McGinnis thing and not my favorite thing. But it was at, at the end of it, it was way more a story of a bunch of awesome artists getting together and telling a story than anything else. And I think McGinnis is is uh, not somebody I will drop a book Exactly. Oh no. For being yeah. on. I, I think I think he's a good artist. I think he's he's dynamic and he's got a. uh I don't know, like, to me, it feels like he took the good parts of the 90s art that I don't like and mm. and kind of put them all together. Yeah, like, it's still very close to that stuff. If Brian Hitch didn't hurt me to look at. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I liked the journey. I don't think this was the best cap-off issue. I think it was wrapped up really quickly. I think the original, the idea that Heroes Return was going to be another six-issue thing would have made a lot of sense, but also I'm kind of glad that it is what it is and it's done. And I give um this issue 6.5 and i give the whole thing an 8.5 you give this one a six and i give the whole thing a seven and a half um 
I give it a seven. Okay. I haven't read Fantastic Four Life Story. I started today. It was too hot. I got too hot. I got angry. Um, the thing that struck me about the first issue was that it was definitely a Mark Russell book, but it didn't feel like the Mark Russell kind of sound bites, sound bite lessons that you get a lot of times. And I liked it. This one, I liked even more. It's uh, it's basically follows Sue getting used to being a celebrity who's always kind of in the shadow of her husband, literally invisible and also figuratively invisible a lot of times. And uh, just just like the Spider-Man life story, there are more depressing things going on here than you would get in a normal comic book. Uh, Reed and Sue are not doing well by the end of it. There's an, uh, a cool way that they bring in Dr. Doom. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know the Fantastic Four story all that well. So this might just be rehashing a bunch of shit that we already know. But I I thought it was really well put together and felt like a Mark Russell book without sounding like a Mark Russell book, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It, it, it uh, I love Mark Russell books. But yeah, there, there's always kind of that soundbitey thing where where it's like oh here's the punchline kind of for this page um yeah and this this wasn't that I mean, and it plays with fantastic four continuity in really clever ways like the way doom is introduced and you know in the 70s whatever um reed and sue did split up because okay. um namor's for, got for, a giant dick no because well for these reasons not namor but for these other reasons and also mainly because without consulting Sue about it, Reed like made some kind of device that was gonna, that was supposed to dampen down Franklin's powers so he wouldn't accidentally destroy the world when he was having like a baby fit. Mm-hmm. But he didn't ask Sue, didn't even tell her. And she found out and she was like, that's it. I'm taking the kid. We're leaving. You a butt. <laughs> yeah. So this kind of, this played with that, but, and Namor's in there, but I just liked how he wasn't his usual namor self raging yeah. everything he was just like oh how so how did reed take the news and he was all just a normal guy that's you know was in love with somebody else's wife and now she turns to him yeah and the way that the way that th- there's just so many different ways in here that she it's it's reinforced that she's invisible yeah. including when they're um trapped in the four cubes that are defeating each one of their powers and he's like uh you know you filled sue's trap with steam so you could see your silhouette but where is she and makes the guy think that sue has escaped but really sue was never even there at all so like reed is looking at it as kind of the fantastic three and and pushing her off to the side to take care of the kids yeah i i thought that's really well done um yeah it is it's very it's very realistic it is more depressed after reading because of the first issue in the spider-man life story i i kind of braced myself to read this one so i was like okay this is not going to be like not fun fantastic four so that's that's so interesting you guys um because i kind of like that's i kind of felt like that and that's one of the reasons i haven't read any of these issues yet and then as jamie was talking about it made me kind of think that like that spider's shadows at book coming out right now Mm -hmm. is like 
like Django, you weren't a huge fan of issue number one. And it was kind of that same, just with like dirge. It was just like mm-hmm. dirge. It's like, do y'all want to like, you remember that nine inch nails phase you went through? Do you want to relive it? And I'm like, <laughs> man, I want to love something as much as I love nine inch nails, but I don't really want to be that sad again. Um, the one with the eyeliner, the one with the eyeliner and the self mutilation. I don't, I, I've talked about this podcast, but I, I, I don't like seeing Reed and Sue not getting along. Like it bums me yeah. out. Like I don't, want to see that they're like my favorite couple and of course all relationships need to have arguments and then they get divorced and that's the case and but yeah these (laughs) life storybooks are downers yeah Yeah. definitely a much more realistic take on a lot of these characters and you know sue gets sue gets her moment by the end yeah yeah the, the more realistic stuff like there's a interlude with claw um and the black panther and it's just so realistic the way Claw is just like this sleazy, um, not even an arms dealer. I think he's some kind of political position. Mm-hmm. The way the Black Panther kind of bribes him off and everything, and it's it's all really interesting. I mean, there's a scene where Reed is Sue's doing something on her own. She's going to a, a women's equality protest and marching, and Reed calls her, and he's just a jerk. He's all like, "Can you come home now? I can't get anything done with the baby here, bugging me. He's underfoot." And you're like, wow, Reed, just, what a jerk. I would give this a uh, nine. I bet it's great. Yeah, I gave it, yeah, I give it a nine. Yeah. Can this also be the one about the X-Men books that you're going to talk about? It's going to be the one with the fan white noise in the background. The one with the fan noise. Nice. It's going to be the one with all the fan noise. It'll help the listeners cool down when they hear it. Exactly. Yeah, let's talk about some of these X-Men books, Roman. Let's just admit that Wolverine number 13 came out this week as well and isn't necessarily worth uh, talking about. Although I heard that maybe Inferno kicked off in it and I read it and I didn't get what that would have meant. But um, yeah, Um, so Way of X number three and Swad number six. Um, Can I ask ask you, Jeff, Django, what... Now, I still don't know... In the back of every X book, there's um, the the reading order, I guess. And during the gala, it's red bars and black bars, and I don't know what those mean. Throughout the Hickman thing, down to like House and Powers, red bars means something important happens. This is an issue oh. that pertains to the, you know, the the overarching Dawn of X or Reign of X thing as a whole. So okay. this one does that because they kind of install yeah. that secondary sword thing over mars yeah um yeah does that answer your question yeah yeah it does yeah because yeah the sword issue is very important man that's okay so yeah let's start with sword um because i think that was yeah the first one um i loved that scene with captain america and doom at the beginning and this is the first book i read this week actually because i was super excited about it and i finished with way of x the end of it so mine a little fuzzy here um on the the sword what did you think about it right from the start of this issue i love that discussion with uh cap and dr doom too after the after the gala it's right after and it would get a little panel too showing um guardian i think that's his name still from the old alpha flight the canadian superhero and and peter dyrich is bouncing is attacking guardians doubts about geez i can't believe you know the mutants the x-men just claim mars that's that's so big. I'm not sure that doesn't doesn't seem right. And Guyrich is right there, like, oh well, hey, I got a group. You should come over and, you know, starting to manipulate them right there. And then we go back to Doom and Cap, and I love their discussion. I love that we hear something new about Cap's reawakening in the Marvel universe, where he's 
saying how, you know, they took him out of the ice and he was in it 20 years later and he was thinking, is there a place for me and everything? And then he, Tony Stark showed him this newsreel of men walking on the moon and the for all mankind um, thing they said or was on the plaque or whatever. And he tells Doom, you know, in that moment, I felt hope again. So it's like, wow, cool. That's a great Captain America moment. It's That's such a so Captain cool. America <laughs> comparison to draw with this, you know, like yeah. we're, we've colonized Mars. Like, yeah, they're mutants, but we're also all humans. Yeah. Um, Django, the main thing that happened in this issue that I think that made it important is that it introduced this idea that the mutants have made it, I'm behind on a couple issues of sword. I think I'm up to three. It's so like four and Pronounced five. Sword. Swad. Um, but they have a medal that they've, it's like, you know, the second best thing behind adamantium or whatever, or like mm. vibrant or whatever. It's nth, nth metal. And they're giving it to people. And in doing so, they're kind of uh, like large space figures and stuff. And in doing so, they're kind of pushing the agenda that like, hey, we have this valuable resource and in, in, we're giving this to you in a limited amount for you to recognize that we are the the galactic center of this solar system like if you want to you know come to earth or talk to the solar system you need to go through mars and talk to the mutants that are there so it's again wow. once again it's like them giving up the drugs and house and powers sort of mm-hmm. say like recognize our sovereignty because we're going to give you this stuff and then it also introduced that the keeper of mars the ruler of mars the mutant in charge of all that Araco and stuff is going to be storm and there's a pretty great reveal with that and then i also really liked at the end of it there was a several page thing where magneto was hanging out at the end of the gala and scarlet witch shows up and they just have a great conversation about just sort of you're my kid and i'm going to support you and she's like yeah you're not even really my daughter or my dad and he's like yeah but you know parents are parents and that's just how it goes and uh i will do what i must to make things right and it's several good disparate conversations in this issue um on a political level on a sort of captain america being a reasonable voice looking at what mutants are doing and being able to comment on it and then down to that magneto thing i'm not super in love with abigail brand and like the sword crew but um you know like we got whiz kid and i don't know it's that's that's all fine i don't love it but um i do think that it consistently does really interesting stuff with kind of setting up how mutants interact with each other, especially science and stuff. And, and actually, sorry, that medal they got, I think, is the thing that they went and got at the end of issue one. Um, like they did that thing where they pushed the bounds of reality to go really far and they grabbed this thing. I'm pretty sure that's what they yeah. brought back. Andrew would tell us, but I think the shape was. So that. they're basically buying votes. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel this, you summed it up very well. I agree. I don't really care too much about anybody in Sword. I mean, I think a couple of new characters are interesting. But I think their purpose is really interesting. I mean, I wouldn't be reading it if Alan Ewing wasn't writing it. Right. Um, and this issue I loved because it's just all conversations. Mm-hmm. There's, I don't think there's any real action other than like Doom teleporting in and teleporting out. <laughs> um, but so many great moments. And, and the fact that when we first see Magneto at the end, he's, he's toasting his helmet. And at first I thought he was just being egotistical, but now I'm thinking, is that like a little clue to Onslaught maybe? Because that's come up in another X book. Um, that Legion. his helmet. The first panel he's in, he's like, here's to you yeah. then. And he's toasting his oh, helmet. And then there's a close-up of his helmet. It's like, hmm. Wow. Over in, I, I love, 
I love that line of dialogue that did not catch me at first. Um, but yeah, yeah, you're right. That whole page and, and even what it, it implies there is fascinating. Yeah. Even if it has nothing to do with Onslaught. I still just love it as yeah. a little, you could imagine Magneto. Yeah. Doing that. I mean, he's very super confident. He's powerful in his abilities but also, if I, him, if I was him, I'd be toasting my cool ass helmet too. Well, but he's also an anti-hero, right? He thinks he's done the right thing, but he also knows he's done the villainous thing according to other people. So I feel like there's yeah. the man and then there's the helmet, which is Magneto and the role yeah. he's played within society. So this idea of like not congratulating, but just like, well, here's to you. But the way of X issue, number three, Bob Quinn, Simon Spurrier is the most Roman, liquid, ethereal, <laughs> gooey duck, sexual. I was like, it's crazy that they're releasing this Django. And I think you'll actually kind of like it because if you remember back to like the whole house and powers thing, rule number one mm-hmm. is make more mutants. Don't kill humans. Respect Krakoa. This whole what issue are they, Mormon? kind of deals with the fallout of this whole make more mutants and Nightcrawler who's the whole thing is framed around Nightcrawler who has discovered onslaught is on the, the rim of making an attack on the mutants. Um, and he's trying to create the religion, but he's also as this, catholic guilt guy trying to negotiate these rules like make more mutants and what does that mean and he finds this woman and i forget her name roman you just alluded to her and her role is just like here come to the bower with me and it's the fucking giant he's like what are you doing and she's been handing out condoms at the gala to people he's like you can't do that it's invalid it's not with our laws which kind of then harkens back to like catholicism and Mm -hmm. birth control and she's just like are you serious like Everyone out here is being encouraged to make babies, but no one is concerned about the fact that no one wants to raise those babies. So people just keep making babies and dropping them off at our doorstep because they don't want to be parents. She's like, it's great that we need more mutants, but what we need are parents to raise these mutants. She's like, so I'm giving out condoms because like these, you're telling everyone they need to be fucking, which is a crazy conversation. And then to have Nightcrawler be like, well, you're like the, the conversation that Nightcrawler has, who is this, character that we love we love nightcrawler uh-huh. he takes the role of like the conservative catholic here which is the mm-hmm. like you're not that's you're not supposed to do that that like invalidates the, this premise and then there was this great bit about like you know legion making it so these two people could have kind of quote unquote sex that couldn't have physical interactions with each other so like this mental bonding thing but it's like goes it's like a bad acid trip first date meta sex thing like um, a brain yeah, job yeah, because it's it's in their psyches. They suddenly and it's there's two people just hook up at the gala, um, or start to, and um, but because they're in each other's heads and everything's open, all of a sudden it doesn't work because one of them, you know, she has long term plans like children and all this, and the other one is all her dark shit is revealed to the other one, and then she's and when they come out of it, she's like, "You're a monster. You're way too dark," and then she's like, "You're way too." picket fences and babies and shit <laughs> feels like hickman was like here's these great ideas for like that you make more mutants we have to be doing this stuff and it seemed like this is the good aspect of the other side of that which is like now we have a different writer being like okay but what's the fallout of that right and i'm covering it in a book that doesn't impact that main thing so much and it was fascinating because because nightcrawler and you know his original incarnation before they added the catholic thing he was a real swashbuckler lady swashbuckler ladies man so it's interesting seeing him in this role this role here um you know something that kind of threw me for a loop is the three laws 
I, for some reason, I guess I, I, I guess I didn't really think the first one make more mutants. I never really considered it being biological, like traditional you, pairing. I thought it meant because Sinister is involved in Apocalypse and so and a few other people, I thought, oh, they're just going to engineer more mutants. I didn't yeah. realize they, they were the main the, thing is no people getting together. Roman, do you have a do you have a score for that? Oh, I, I do. Uh, let me find it. Actually, I wrote down tens for both I mean, Sword and Way of X. Wow. Okay. 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 Wow. Yowie, that was great. Um, <laughs> I give, I give Sword a nine, and I give Way of X a Yahweh nine. Of X. I give Sword of X Way, Way of X. Yahweh of X a nine point five. <laughs> nine and a nine point five. Good joke, Django. Oh man, they're. they're uh... I could say more, but no, we got to move on. I know we do have to move yeah. on, unfortunately. Django, <laughs> you take one because Infant Frontier. You, you, what's what's what on your list? Let's hang out in Django's corner right now. My oh, my corner. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, cor- yeah, yeah. The corner, the corner. Of, Our triangular uh, like, room. You own thirty three point three three repeated uh, percent of this real estate. Oh gosh, I don't really want to own shit here. Um, Why is this corner sticky? Yeah, I'll show you. Because you've been in it, Roman. Um, I God. read. That's not an intro. We can't use that as an intro. I don't know if we're even allowed to use that anywhere. Um, I read Shadecraft number four. It's good. It's still good. It's our our buddies from uh, Skyward. And every issue just feels like a really, really good episode of a TV show to me. Um, Good twists, good resolution at the beginning, good middle bits, and then uh, a good cliffhanger every single time. Uh, I also read the old guard. Uh, there's a, there's a trend in comics right now that it seems to be kind of leaning towards anthologies. And when DC yeah. and Marvel put out like the pride anthology or like they've, they've anniversary issues for Batman, Superman, flash, wonder woman, uh, Batman, black and white, like we're all, all 80 years old, yeah. all of that stuff. Right. I don't love it. It feels like throw little throwaway stories mm-hmm. that said, Stuff like Silver Coin and Old Guard Tales Through Time and Black Hammer Visions. I don't know that like the the 80th anniversary issues often feel like we got a couple good stories. Just fill out the other 100 pages mm-hmm, with whatever mm-hmm. you have sitting in a file. This Old Guard has been really good every single time. Um, this first first story is Brian Michael Bendis and Michael Avon Oming, and it just follows one of the ageless characters as as she stumbles wounded into a, a restaurant and meets a an old man who she saved as a child um and maybe raised for a while as well and then the other one is set in the 70s or in the 60s and it's what all of our main characters were doing and who they were killing when the man walked on the moon for the first time and it's both, both of the of stories great. are amazing. They're both like, you know, 12 pages long and heavy, heavy, heavy on the character development that is going to go absolutely nowhere new, right? Like the, the, it's not even, it's not even written by Greg Rucka. Um, the, the second story is Robert McKenzie and Dave Walker with Justin Greenwood on art. Uh, I would give Shadecraft probably uh, seven and a half. Roman, did you, did you read either of those? Uh-uh. Nope. Oh, 
how how are there comics you don't read? I don't know. Yeah, how is how did you, okay? Yeah, <laughs> we'll come back. Give the old guard a nine and a half, nine nine yeah. and a half. That sounds like such a good issue. Both of those stories yeah. sounded so interesting to me. Infinite Frontier number one of six by Joshua Williamson, art by Zermanico. This is fun. Actually, I'm only just realizing right now, but the first page has to be a reference to All Star Superman, right? Um, Absolutely. Like the oh. ship itself is designed like the All Star Superman ship. That's four okay, vertical okay. panels. Can I? I don't want to sidetrack us too much, but Jeff. Yeah. yeah. As as uh, as a supporter of uh, Jeff, who just, loves Grant Morrison. Just our 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 relationship sometimes ends up with me giving you advice. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I, if you don't mind. I don't. Okay. Anytime that you think. Is that maybe possibly an oblique reference? Just oh. say it confidently. Okay. Like we come this back first to this page a lot. is that's a year one reference. Bingo. That's dark Bingo. night right there. You see that right off panel here? There's a tree that got kicked yeah. down. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. You're right. I love you. Okay. I heard it. I, I've heard from Joshua Williamson that he was ready to quit DC. He had, was leaving. His contract was up and he was going to leave at death metal. And then they basically just said, well, what if you want, what if you could do whatever you want? And he's what, like, what if and we now take I, you out of Scott Snyder's shadow for a minute? And now I'm writing this six issue miniseries called Infinite Frontier. And, you know, I don't, ah, I read this. I think that this is, and this is actually one that I read in the pit of the dark room. So I'm looking at it in a light room and I'm like, oh, wow, there's a lot of lightness in this book as well. <laughs> um, but this has got to be, this has got to be what I want from DC comic booking is what I feel like we're exploring the multiverse. We've got different DC characters. They're cool characters. Um, the, the art is good. They're playing with the DC like Morrison multiverse map. At one point there's a conversation with Dr. Bones. I'm seeing Captain Carrot, the flashpoint Batman is back, which again, I'm like, do we just need to let that person die? Like the last time I saw them was I think Tom King's Batman run, but this, in, this justice in justice incarnate thing, they're exploring the bleed, you know, um, psycho pirate shows up all it to me felt like the best. And they're talking about a crisis that's upcoming. It felt to me like very good DC comic books from the late eighties, early nineties comic books that, were invested in what they were doing and then paying homage to the overarching continuity as a whole, but weren't so like, this was such a, a more appealing thing to me than dark Knight's death metal, because mm -hmm. it wasn't trying to just be like, look how crazy I am. But it was saying like, wow, the DC universe has some crazy ideas. Let's explore those. I think metal felt more like DC come over to me. I'm Scott Snyder. Look at my crazy shit. And this felt more like, oh, I'm going to play in the sandbox of DC. And that's what I loved about this issue. I liked it a lot. It was, it was fun. Um, what you said, I mean, Death Metal I've had its moments when, you know, it was really fun because it was so over the top and, and ludicrous. But this is getting back to, you know, all the classic DC crises. I mean, at the end here, we've got Barry Allen and the Psycho Pirate, which is cool because the original Crisis Infinite Earths after that, they were the only two that remembered that there had been, well, I think there was like maybe four people, but two of them were Barry Allen and the Psycho Pirate remembered that a crisis had even occurred and remembered mm. what, what it had existed before. So do we so think cool. that that's what, sorry, sorry, that that's what's going on in the diner? Do we think that Psycho Pirate has helped those people remember? 
Um, I, don't, I don't think we got enough about that yeah, I'm not sure. or even Psycho Pirate's role yet, but he came in pretty in at the end of it. But what I loved was like, we started on one. So this is dealing heavily with multiverse stuff. It's a very multiverse centered whole mini series as I understand it. Um, because at the, you know, we realized that they're exploring the kind of Omega planets, you know, like mm-hmm. the one, the new ones that are discovered, but Roman, I loved the line of dialogue when Alan Scott was hanging out with his son. What's his son? Obsidian. Obsidian. They're flying around and they're just like having this conversation. It's like, man, there's man. Gotham looks so different during the day. Um, There's been a lot. And then Obsidian says, there's been a lot to absorb lately. And Alan Scott says, my coming out. And he says, dad, are you kidding me? And then we got a full fucking page and they're just like, how about the multiverse multiverse was destroyed and then restarted. And now you've rejoined a group of heroes in a secret space station. Yeah. I thought that was really well handled. And I mean, I could be wrong, but if I remember right, uh, his son obsidian is gay, but he oh, like came out. Yeah. So he, he came, especially doesn't care. Yeah. Yeah. But he, but he came out you know, you know decades ago. <laughs> so yeah, especially he doesn't care. It's no big deal. <laughs> and I love the line of dialogue when like flashpoint Batman is like, I got to talk to Barry Allen and then like, you know, black president Superman is like, which one? And you're like, Oh <laughs> fuck. Yeah. There's a bunch of Barry Allen's like, I, I love Scott Snyder, but it's just like when he does big DC stuff, he doesn't seem to be respecting overall continuity. He seems to just want to do his own thing. And I love that this felt like a very progressive story playing within the bounds of DC continuity, which is why I read DC comics. Yeah. Yeah. I love that too. It's it. And it's just the kind of stuff you want with a multiverse town. I mean, it shows a bunch of different Earths, and there's the Kingdom Come Earth and the Red Sun Earth and the Earth where all the DC characters are little kids. And yeah, <laughs> it's just fun. I would go, I'm going to go 8.5 on it. Yeah, me too. I, I, yeah, I'll give it an eight. This is the one where Django surprises no one. <laughs> um, other, other than the opening scene with Batman landing, which I thought was really cool. And the conversation that you were talking about, Jeff, where um, Alan Scott's kid is like, no, like I'm not coming out is not something that's weighing on me, dad. Um, And the uh, Captain Carrot calling um, calling Batman sleepyhead and offering him some delicious (laughs) carrot juice. (laughs) I don't really like the multiverse unless it's an alternate take on a character that I already like. I don't really care about Flash. I don't know who the quintessence is. Um, I, th- there's a lot here that I'm a big DC guy. I don't care about almost any of these characters. Right. I'm going to give it a six. Vinyl number one from Image Comics by Doug Wagner and Daniel Hilliard, the two people who did plastic. Django, I finished this issue. I know Roman hasn't read this, and I was like, what is this if not a Django book but like what 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 did you do what it was what did you do I don't know what happened in this book it's crazy I liked every scene I liked every panel I liked every character but I couldn't tell you what happened from one panel to, to the next I almost felt like that with plastic for most of the story too Mm-hmm. Um, and if, if I were going to point at something, it would be kind of a uh, holistic too zoomed in kind of feeling. Um, there's, there, there are, I don't know if there are any establishing shots in the whole thing. Or even like, like that, that's an interesting statement. I think it's really on point. Um, 
Like, you know, in Friends, they show the outside of the apartment and then they show you what's going on inside. But like too zoomed in. We spend a lot of time with moments of characters interacting. Mm -hmm. I would have loved just a couple panels of those people interacting outside of that moment to possibly establish their motivations. Yep. We've got an undercover cop talking to a murderer because it seems like he wants to bust this murderer. But then the secret organization is like, hey, your daughter joined a cult cop and you got to come rescue her. And then he's like, all right, abandon the mission. I got to go. And then the murderer that was being investigated is like grabs his microphone and is like, hey, I know you've been watching me and we got to go save this guy. And then this murderer goes out to like save this guy. And because of the time jumps in the narrative, we know from the beginning of it that he saves the guy by putting on a, a bear mask that makes him a killer that he's not when he's not wearing the bear mask. Is that that's seems- just a weirdo before he puts on the bear mask? Like it's a weird. I, I wouldn't want to be hanging out with that guy in a room or in a park or on a train in the rain. Like I, I don't want to be anywhere near that guy. But he's just a dude, a weird dude until he puts on that mask. Yeah, I mean it, it's it's totally bonkers. It if I were gonna assign a movie director to this comic, it would probably be Neville Dean and Taylor. Like the of, of crank and crank to high voltage fame and happy they directed a lot of happy um that's just a really that kind of exercise gonzo gonzo shit i give this my score and this is the person who would make the best version of this movie um it's a fun <laughs> game to play i'm torn i think that it's gonna make itself clear i kept expecting mm-hmm. to feel like by the end i would know what was going on and i didn't quite um so because of that, I'm going to go seven, but I, I'm almost like torn to 7.5. The art is phenomenal. And these two have a working relationship that is fantastic. Oh uh, yeah, fuck it. 7.5. Give the art the benefit of the doubt. That I always say to, to, to celebrate pride month, Marvel voices pride. Number one came out this, this week. And there was a lot of different stories in it. And they did a very confusing map for how to read them in the first two pages. Um, and there were some very good ones and there was ones that weren't as good. Um, but I think on the terms of anthologies they've been cranking out lately, this was actually better than a lot of them. Uh, Roman, I think you read the whole thing. What did you think? I read the whole thing. That's uh, a lot of pages. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, you know, your usual anthology. The, I thought the best story in it was the, um, the, where to go? The mystique and destiny. Well, actually, no, it's mainly just a destiny story. Cause it's a flashback to, uh, I assume, I think, I don't know if it says the 1800s, um, 1900. Um, and it's on a train and Mystique is talking with James Moriarty from Sherlock Holmes. And he's trying to blackmail her because he's found out about her and um, Mystique being lovers. And he has a photo of them. Um, and Mystique, of course, blue skinned and everything. So he's like, you know, this isn't whatever she is. She's not human. I got blackmail you. And I'd forgotten that Destiny's real name um, in the comics is Irene Adler, which is the same name as the woman in the Sherlock Holmes story. The only woman Sherlock was ever impressed with that she could because she could outsmart him. (laughs) So apparently Irene Adler and the the X-Men character Destiny are the same person. (laughs) And it's just a, a, I was telling uh, that makes sense cool... roman because she's a precog so sherlock would be impressed yeah. by someone who could see in the future yeah yeah um her mind palace is fascinating um and it's just, that was my favorite story in the issue the mystique and destiny flashback story 
I think my favorite was just the Magneto one. And he was like ready to go do that thing where he approaches the Xavier school with his fucking rockets, but he just sees this sad kid who's got to talk about some stuff and he hangs out with him for a little while. Oh, I didn't know what you meant. The, the, yeah, the Iceman story, I would have called it. Oh, was that Bobby? Yeah, that's Bobby. Oh, yeah, Ray. he does. He says, I'm Bobby. Yeah, never mind. For sure. Um, yeah, I always kind of forget because Bobby came out recently and they did it as kind of like a retcon thing with the Bendis run. And yeah, so negotiating yeah. this is past. But, um, but yeah, I just really liked that little bit. I also liked the story with Dakin and the new character that was exposed at the end. Um, Somnolus. That was a really sweet story. The Magneto Bobby one. The, is that a new character? Som, Som, Somnolus? Yeah. Justin was mentioned being excited about this character. They're kind of like dream. They have the ability to kind of like affect your dreams or something. Yeah. And I don't know when it happened, but I used to think uh, Dakin was a very, a very uninteresting character. And somewhere over the last few years, he has a personality. He's not just an angry wolverine jr so i don't know when that happened but it's pretty cool and there's also a real good interview in here with um chris cooper the the bird watcher again that used to work at marvel comics that was assaulted by that karen in, in the park in new york um and that's a good interview you guys interesting insights and at the end of this issue they reprint the the issue of alpha flight where north star came out in the middle in the middle of a battle and it's interesting rereading that now um, because at the time, this issue was, was huge. It was huge, but it was also panned because it's Scott Lobdell and Mark Pasella and Dan Panosian. So it was very 90s and pouches and muscles. Yeah. And, you know, in my opinion, very badly drawn. And it was made fun of because I remember people saying, oh, that's so, so forced that all of a sudden North Star just comes out, yells it in the middle of a battle. Mm-hmm. But but reading this again, I'm I'm like you know, their dialogue actually, it kind of makes sense in that context. Why North Stars? He's angry, and this character who's who's uh, homophobic, um, it it works. North Star blurting that out. Um, you know, it's not a great story. It's not great art. Scott Waddell's you know not a not a great writer, but. This, this is a lot better than the t- at the time it came out than it was credited for. Yeah, I would give that one a pretty high score for the anthologies. I'd give it an 8, 8.5. Yeah, and that and that one actually talking about it, this is one of the ones I'm originally I gave it a 7 on my on my list here. I'll, I'll give it a I'll give it an 8. Our game where we had everybody record our scores like two or three weeks ago. Roman has been doing that since then. Oh yeah, I'm and doing it every time. I love it. Drastically changed the quality of our product. Roman, I fucking <laughs> love it. I love you. I'm going to keep doing it, but I as the person who reads all of the comics, I love two or three days ago I was like, "Guys, it's so hot. I can't read my comics. What am I going to do? What what do I read?" And Roman was like, "Well, here's everything I liked because I have this score sheet." And it was fucking <laughs> awesome. So, well, those are the ones um, I liked the most. I mean, I did read less this week than last week. I only read 24 comics this week. Well, the heat, the heat, buddy. Yeah. Jesus yeah. Christ. Also, as a response to your question, says Andrew Carlson, I'd want to see Rocket Raccoon build his own Mecha Godzilla to kill Godzilla. Oh, written and drawn by James Stokoe. I'm sold already. I am too. (laughs) Andrew, let's hear your voicemail attached to that, which I think was actually the primary part. Is it about Marshawn Lynch? Oh, no. It's Andrew. Um, Gonna try and be quick today, but um, it might be a little bit longer of a voicemail. 
uh, I just, I really liked both Sword and Way of X this week. Um, I don't think the art was anything particularly special. Um, I mean, it was good, but it was really just the writing where everything's shown like 10 out of 10. The, I mean, Sword opening up with the wonderful conversation between, mm-hmm. I mean, a little bit between um, Weapon H from Canada and Henry Gyrich. Um, but then the whole conversation between Captain America and Doom about the future and wanting to do things together. Um, it was just, Alex, you're so freaking good, man. Um, and going to the the space, um, the new like space station diplomatic ring that was super cool and well-designed. I love both the outfits of Brand and Frenzy and Manifold. Um seeing the galactic representatives um, all laid out and uh, hell, even WizKids outfits, just fantastic. And learning what this freaking Mysterium finally is, holy crap. I, it's so cool. Like having this reframing of, all right, we're starting the next phase of X-Men and it's echoing the same as that first Dawn of X phase where, all right, we're getting started. We've got these medicines, and if you want them, you got to recognize our sovereignty. And now they're doing the same exact thing here. Hey, if you want this super strong meta material, you have to recognize our, our sovereignty. You don't go to Earth. You go to planet Araco. You go to Seoul. Um, it's just so ballsy, and I love it. Oh, my God. Um, man, yeah, it's it's so brilliant, and I love how everyone's hesitant. I, I just love that Ewing is... Man, Ewing is just completely transforming the cosmic universe right now. And I'm excited, man. I mean, the big spoiler, Storm is going to be in space. Is Storm joining Thorn? Is she just going to be heading up Morocco? I don't know. Regent of Mars? Holy shit. That's so cool. <laughs> and then just wrapping out the whole issue with the Wanda right? It was so wonderfully done and sweet and heart-filling, and uh, I thought it was nice. Um, it does make me worried because I know from solicitations, Magneto's possibly going to be killing someone at this gala. So I hope it's not Wanda, like, trying to get her to be reborn as a mutant. Um, okay, well, that was sword. Great issue, 10 out of 10. Way of X, man. I mean, opening up by by showing us the perspective of Nightcrawler in all of these other books that we've stopped in. Um, Cause I'm reading all of the Gala books like you, Jeff, and um, like a couple other people, I'm sure. And I loved like seeing Nightcrawler in those other books and be like, man, Nightcrawler's a little drunk. What, what's going on with him? And then getting to this issue and seeing the first person perspective of all of those bits down to that last panel where he's drunk, where Magneto and Wanda are holding each other. Um, like just picking up a right where that previous issue left off. I thought it, it's just so well, the X universe is just so well put together right now. It's incredible. It really, it shocks me. Um, and all the conversations started in this issue of way of X with, um, the make more mutants and how they're, the just the implications of it. Um, I, Cy Spurrier's taking and Al Ewing, both of those Brits are taking the ideas that, Hickman really kind of instigated and they're exploring them the most, I feel like. Uh, Vida Ayala is doing a good job at New Mutants and I'm really liking it and I do like X-Force um, 
here and there, but definitely the strongest books for me are Way of X, Hellions, and Sword. Um, they're just, they're exploring so many aspects of this world that I'm loving. Um, I mean, I didn't even know who this person, Stacy X, was, but I love what she's doing here on Krakoa. She's she's doing a role, man. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm sure I've missed plenty of stuff, but I just, I really love all the character movies, uh, several issues. Um, I'm really happy with how the, the gala is going so far. It's a lot of fun. Um, sorry for the lengthy voicemail, guys, but thank you as always for the wonderful laughs. Andrew Carlson. Thanks for the lengthy content, Andrew Carlson. You can you can fault up our podcast anytime you want. You're the friend of the show. You know, I agree with everything you said. I uh, if once a year they just did this moment where it was just like, hey, we're having a fancy party, and they let every story come together and just sort of share a moment. I think that would be really cool. I think that one of my favorite aspects of this gala event is thinking about the writers all together making it happen and and benjamin percy writing uh well no i take it back not benjamin percy um simon spurrier sorry saying like hey everybody throw a little bit of drunk nightcrawler in your story i need that for my story <laughs> and andrew reminded me that uh that conversation with magneto and um scarlet witch and something that i really appreciated is that he tells her that you're my daughter. I mean, if you're not biologically, you're my daughter. And I really like reestablishing that. Yes, she is his daughter. Forget this, you know, the stuff they changed for the movies or whatever it was. They went back to the old thing. And what you said, Jeff, about the, the gala stuff. And yeah, Al Ewing who writes um, sword. Sword, Just a quick mention, his latest issue of guardians, of the galaxy. It has a little gala thing, just a snippet where, Nova, I forget why, but Starboard and Nova were invited to the gala. Nova shows up and instantly picks a fight over an old crime of Magneto's. Hmm. So he attacks Magneto and they get into a brawl, which Nova starts. And I think Brand, Abigail Brand, breaks it up or something. And Nova's like, I'm sorry, I'm a dick. I shouldn't have done that. And him and Magneto have this nice little conversation. Hmm. <laughs> so it was another gala moment. <laughs> Andrew, thank you. Everybody else can send us voicemails at Jeff at the comicspace.com. You just do your iPhone message, voice memo, send it. I wasn't on last week. You posed a question. I'd like I to did. just give you my quick answer. Your question was, who would you like to see fight Godzilla? Fox had a great answer. My answer is Karnak on an island. With oh, no resources. that's a really good one. You said Karnak, what? On an island with no resources. Okay. So Karnak like he has to general. find the weakness. Yeah. But like Karnak in a big city, he could find some pulsar weapon or some, I don't want him to do that. I want him to find Godzilla's like physical chinks in his armor. If you know what I mean? I do know what you mean. If you want to send us a voicemail or email next week, telling us what you're doing to combat the heat, whether you're in Michigan or Texas or California or wherever or you New are. New York city where the friends were. The friend, the one with the friends. This is the one where we all kept cool with the threes of our fans and our friends. <laughs> Fuck you, Django. I love friends. It doesn't age as well as I'd hoped. I'm, is what I'm really. Are you are you on the website onlyfriends.com? Um, and on that note, thanks for listening. I'm so hot. I'm so sweaty. This weather that's going on. I need to wow, go. We're suddenly going into a yelly podcast suite. <laughs> I'm Jeff. I'm the guy that hangs out with Roman, the big Yowie fan. 
<laughs> I'm Roman, and yeah, that's me. <laughs> oh, I'm Django. I, I was wondering, you guys. Oh my fucking god! You have shit what, on what, what your are you mind? wondering? Let me what, drink what the is, rest of this whiskey. The... <laughs> What's the worst advice you've had to beat this heat? We'll see you next <laughs> week for two thirty-one or two thirty-two or whatever. The one with the two hundred thirty-two.